Our second reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, which you can find in your pew Bible in the New Testament on page 186. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement, and that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Paulus, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Well, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the Lord. Now, as New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra once said, before I speak, I have something I'd like to say. <clears throat> before I preach, I, there's something I'd like to say, which is just a word of incredible gratitude, um, not only for the blessing and privilege of this opportunity to uh, be with you this morning, but especially just incredibly profound gratitude for the welcome and the teaching and the support and the coaching and the guidance that I received from this congregation some 15 years ago uh, when I did do my field ed placement here. Dave Notley and Gail Mott and a host of church members, adults and children and youth taught me so much and for that I am really just very deeply grateful. Um, as authors often say after the acknowledgments portions at the end of their book, however, any errors that remain in the text are fully mine, and any errors that remain in my ministry I fully own, but uh, a deep word of gratitude for all that I learned um, from you and with you, and for that I am deeply grateful. Now join me, if you would, in prayer. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I'm actually going to scooch my step forward. Well, it was a beautiful morning, and I stood in line at the neighborhood Starbucks thinking about my half-calf ice venti skim two-pump no-whip mocha that I was about to order. But the long line moved really slowly as baristas were making other people's equally high-maintenance orders. And so while I waited, I picked up a copy of the New York Times and began to read. I began to read, that is, until uh, the print began to swim in front of my tear-filled eyes. This is as far as I got. Just before 5 a.m., with the sky still dark over Lake Volta in Ghana, Mark Quadwo was roused from his spot on the damp dirt floor. It was time for work. Shivering in the pre-dawn chill, he helped paddle a canoe a mile out from shore. For five more hours, as his co-workers yanked up a fishing net, Mark bailed water to keep the canoe from swamping. He had last eaten the day before. His broken wooden paddle was so heavy he could barely lift it. 
but he raptly followed each command from Quadrotaki, the powerfully built 31-year-old in the back of the canoe, who freely deals out beatings. Mark Quadwo is six years old, about 30 pounds, dressed in a pair of blue and red underpants and a little mermaid t-shirt. He looks more like an oversized toddler than a boat hand. He's too young to understand why he has ended up in this fishing village, a two-day trek from his home. But the three older boys who work with him know why. Like Mark, they are indentured servants, leased by their impoverished parents to Taki for as little as $20 a year, end quote. I stood there in line at the Starbucks, weeping, overcome by such a sense of despair and helplessness at changing this child's circumstances, at bringing him home to his family, that I could read no more. Something is broken in our world when children like Mark suffer so and when the gulf between them and us feels so great that we don't know how to help and don't believe we can make a difference. We know with aching hearts that it's not only six-year-old indentured servants half a world away who suffer, but that children right here in our own city and nation are also struggling and suffering, falling through the holes in our nation's safety net. Here, even here in our nation, more than 16 million children live in poverty. One out of every five children is poor, suffering undeserved deprivation and limitation and obstacles. Here, even here in our nation, millions of children are unready for school, poorly educated, and unprepared to face the future. Nearly 60% of all of our children and 75% and more of our black and Latino children are, cannot read or compute at grade level in fourth grade and eighth grade and so many drop out of school before graduating, falling through the holes of our nation's frayed public education system. Here, even here, more than one in nine children lack access to adequate food. Many schools report finding children racing extra early to school on Monday morning so they can have the federally provided school, a school breakfast, their first chance to fill stomachs that have been hungry since the school bell rang on Friday. 89% of the children who relied on those free or reduced price lunches during the school year don't get the summer feeding program, those same federally provided meals during the uh, summer. There are holes in our nation's safety net and an unraveling of community when millions of children spend long summers suffering from hunger. These holes in our nation's safety net are created or worsened by our division, separations along party lines, lines of income, race, and ethnicity. Our nation and world has a gaping hole separating the affluent and the impoverished that continues to widen. We're torn along lines of race and ethnicity, missing threads of connection that should be binding us together. Our nation is divided by partisan loyalties, unraveling commitment to the common good and the back and forth tugging of our power struggle. We are split between us and them, our children and those children, deserving and undeserving insiders and outsiders. And when we are so divided, when our net of connection is so torn apart, children suffer. Now we heard two readings this morning that referred to mending nets. There was, of course, the familiar gospel text in today's lectionary. In Matthew, we heard that, quote, Jesus, quote, saw two other brothers, James and Zebedee's son of Zebedee and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. 
But our second lectionary reading also talks about mending, mending nets, and that's the text that I'd like to focus on. And in First, First Corinthians, as we heard in the today's translation, Paul writes, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement, and that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. And I should confess that when I took Greek in seminary, it happened to coincide with my field placement here at Chevy Chase, I was not a stellar Greek student. But in studying today's passage, I learned that the, from New Testament scholar Fred Craddock, Fred Craddock that the Greek word that Paul used, which is translated here as be united, it's a net-mending word. It's the same word used elsewhere, including in the, other, in the gospel reading today, meaning mend your nets, be united, mend your nets so that you once again have the same mind and purpose. Mending, recall, isn't about creating something new. Mending is about restoring something to wholeness so that it's once again ready to serve its original purpose. Mending. Be united. Mend your nets, Paul instructs, so that you once again have the same mind and purpose. The Corinthians are divided along lines of income and social standing, the privileged and the poor, the insiders and the outsiders, the former slaves, the immigrants, the longtime citizens. They're divided by their loyalties, which person or which party they belong to. They're divided along lines of religious tradition. They're split over who has the most useful or valuable skills and gifts to contribute to the community. Well, as a result, the community is falling apart and losing sight of their original identity as servants of God and their original purpose as followers of Christ to embody God's love and proclaim good news to the poor using their various gifts for the common good. Well, Paul looks at a diverse community that's fraying, falling apart, and urges them to mend their nets, to rediscover, reweave the community that they had once been so they could once again share a common mind and purpose as, in his words later, servants of God working together. And I think there's a word for us as we think about our faithful work to be God's servants working together to seek justice for children. Divisions in our communities, nation, and world are creating holes in our nets, and as a result, children suffer. We need to recover our original wholeness, reweave the torn connection so we once again have the same mind and purpose. And to begin that net mending, we have to remember and proclaim our most essential original identity as beloved children of God made in God's own image. If every one of us is a beloved child of God of equal worth, equally precious, we need to proclaim and live out that truth. And if we do, it will compel us to create for ch change for children. If we live out the truth that every child has equal worth, it will no longer be acceptable that some children hunger and starve while others are sated, that some children are put on paths of success while others are set on pushed through the cradle to prison pipeline. That knowledge should fuel and sustain and give urgency and persistence to our determination not to doll out um, temporary charity instead of working for permanent justice. Children's Defense Fund founder Marion Wright Edelman, speaking to the need to assure every child a sound start with quality early childhood development programs, wrote earlier this week, quote, two and three-year-olds have no politics. And we must reject any leaders who, for any reason, play political football with the lives of millions of our children and our nation's future. If America is to lead in the 21st century world, we must reset our economic and moral compass. She continued, while remembering that children do not come in pieces and that hunger, homelessness, violence, and parental attention all affect childhood well-being, the first step is to prevent and, allevi to prevent and alleviate 
indefensible and costly child poverty is to build a quality early childhood continuum of care from birth through age five so that every child, she said every child, regardless of the circumstances of birth or lottery of geography, is ready for school and has a fair chance to reach their God-given potential. Our divisions are creating holes in the net and as a result children are suffering to mend our nets. We need to reweave our connections, our sense of purpose as followers of Christ who brought good news to the poor and released to the captives, not in some ambiguous, theoretical, far-off sense, but in the real here and now, meeting real pain with real healing. We need to recover our shared sense of purpose as followers of Christ who defied traditions of exclusion with radical inclusion, who upended previous notions of who is deserving and who is undeserving, instead offering abundant grace. United as followers of Christ, we know that it's not enough to share bread as part of the sacrament on Sunday. We need to be about the real-world business of seeing that children have, that all children have enough bread and other kinds of food seven days a week. When the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program is being shredded, do we speak out faithfully? When nearly 90% of children who count on school lunches go hungry during the summer, will we reach out to community partners and create new summer feeding sites for children? Will we help eligible families navigate the enrollment process to get health coverage and real health care? As followers of Christ committed to reweaving the net of community and connection, when talk turns to who's deserving and undeserving, will we speak up with the conviction that none of us is deserving, yet we are all offered grace beyond measure? Will we act on the conviction, in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere? We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny, and whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Well, we recognize that children are suffering from holes in our nets, the unraveling of connection and shared purpose in our nation and world, if we're motivated by the theological conviction that every child is a child of God with equal worth, if we're urged forward by the call to follow Jesus in bringing good news to the poor in the real world, in real healing ways, what's next? I mean, practically speaking, what are our tasks as faithful, net-mending child advocates? Now, I'm not much of a fisher, and I never watched that deep-sea fishing show, Deadliest Catch. And so I found myself wondering, well, just how does one mend a fishing net? Well, after some brief research, I learned that the first step in net-mending is to measure the hole in the net. We need to know the dimensions of the problem, the size of the gap children are facing before we can figure out how to fix them. The Children's Defense Fund documents much, much of the damage, the extent of the holes in our annual report, the State of America's Children. CCPC's many ministries to families in the community provide an opportunity to hear about the size of the holes firsthand from those serving children and families directly and from the families themselves. The open forum speakers from Vinnie DeMarco right now to the ones who are coming in weeks will also do a lot to help us measure, to understand the size of the holes. Well, the next step in net mending, I learned, is to gather and prepare the new reinforcing material, the line or the string. The guide I read recommended cutting the new lengths of new line even longer than you think you might need, because if it's too short, it will be utterly no use in mending the net. But if you have too much, you can always go back and carefully trim the excess. And as we look at mending the nets and reweaving a community of support and care and justice for children, we can't skimp on the resources, financial, human, or material for the programs and policies that we would put in place. But we need to bring all of the resources our children might need 
so that we don't run short and fail to fix the holes altogether. The third step in net mending according to this online fishing guide is to identify the strongest unbroken strands surrounding the hole. The repair line needs to be connected to an unbroken stri sound strand closest to the hole. And I think as we consider how to fix our own holes as a nation, communities, congregation, we would do well to look for the strong unbroken strands closest to the gaps that we, would get, we can connect to. Sometimes we're tempted from a distance to be, want to be the center of the solution rather than looking for ways to tie into those closest to the problems, closest to the gaps. So what are the strengths? Who are the strong pillars in struggling communities that we can connect to? Then and only then comes the looping and the knotting, the tightening and the testing until the net is restored to its original integrity and wholeness so that it can be used for future service. Then and only then comes our day in, day out, hard, careful work of seeking justice for children through our work and our witness, our advocacy and our actions informed by our measurements, reinforced by our resources in solidarity with the strong strands and communities closest to the holes. I began with my despair at making a difference, mending the net to save Mark Quadwo, the six-year-old boat hand, and the other children in indentured servitude in Ghana. Let me end by sharing that, thankfully, there was someone who didn't give up on the possibility of, of saving Mark and the others, but who saw the hole, gathered resources, and worked with strong nearby strands to reweave the net, overcoming even the most extreme division. Pam Cope is a mother in Missouri who saw the article about Mark and wanted to help. She saw the size of the hole. She and her husband Randy, members of Racine Christian Church, lost their 15-year-old son Jansen to a heart defect and in his memory had launched Touch a Life, a ministry for orphans in Cambodia and Nicaragua. So after reading about Mark in the New York Times, Pam Cope contacted an agency in Ghana that helps liberate children from slavery. That agency was a strong strand close to the hole. But with the help of family and friends, the Copes raised enough money to rescue Mark and six other children from the fishing boats. They brought resources to close the gap. The children were freed and now attend the Village of Hope School. Their former master received a new fishing boat on the condition that he no longer use indentured servants. A staff member who works at Village of Hope prays for the children still in bondage and for their masters. For slavery to end, the missionary said, the people who exploit children must also be changed. That is the most kind of division ending, net mending, I can imagine. There are many more children, said the Village of Hope staff member and God is working through a lot of people to show us what to do next. God is and will work through us too, calling us to mend nets torn by all kinds of division and to reweave a sense of connection and community throughout the church, our communities, nation, and world. As we measure gaps, gather resources, connect to strong partners, and forge new ties, God will work in and through us. Even now, God is calling us to recover and proclaim and act on our shared identity as children of God who know that every child has sacred worth and is beloved by God. Even now, God is calling us to work together as followers of Christ who brought good news, good news to the poor.
May it be so. Amen.